Thank you. Okay, Bob is going to have a prayer, and he's also our leader today. And somebody said that he didn't need a lot of introduction, because, I don't know, we always have to introduce him. So I'm going to introduce Al, who's going to introduce me. Okay. Please, please bow your heads. This is awful loud, isn't it? Am I good? Dear God, you have blessed us with an overabundance of goodness. We are generally forgetful or not appreciative of these blessings. Please forgive us for this. Our nation and our world are at a time when we need your help. Please give our leaders the wisdom and guidance to ask for and follow your counsel. You have heard the needs of our class members, family, and friends today. Please hold those mentioned and those not mentioned in your protective hands and grant them and their loved ones peace. We also pray for those in our armed services in harm's way. Please return them safely to our loved ones. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Are we doing? <clears throat> Al is going to introduce me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Al Temples is going to introduce right, Thank you. You did a good job. Thank you. This morning, it is my pleasure to introduce someone who really needs no introduction. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway, yes. Bob Moore has consented to come and lead us this morning in the first lesson of Advent. It's hard for me to believe that Thursday was Thanksgiving and now we're in Advent. And time just flies when you're having fun or even if you're not having fun, I've decided. But it is my pleasure to introduce Bob, and I want to tell you a couple of things. One of them, you already, one of those things you already know about him. He speaks with a South Carolina drawl. So be ready to listen as he speaks, and he does a great job. The other thing is that you may not know, but he was my boss for over three years, and he's a very good boss. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is Sunday. We're in church. Okay. This would be the first Sunday of Advent. I'm sure you all know that. Um, if, if I was a little bit smarter, I would have figured out a way to relate what I'm going to talk about today to what Bruce talked about last week. Because if you weren't here, you really missed an excellent lesson. Um, I, I guess we have lessons, but just some really stick out in my mind very emotional, heartfelt, um, telling us things from a perspective that we don't often get to hear or never get to hear. Uh, he, he did come to our um, covenant group and spoke with us, a lot of the same kind of questions, but I was just very, have been very, very impressed with him. Anyone that has stood up here understands his heart attack comments. If you didn't hear that, you know, we'll tell you about it later. But if you weren't here, I would suggest that you listen to the audio because it was very, very, he's very, very impressive. Um, a little bit, I, I didn't I didn't tell Al to say anything about being from South Carolina, but a little bit about my background. I grew up in a very, very small Baptist church, rural church. And the on a Easter Sunday, a good Easter Sunday, it would be comparable to maybe an average day here or in our choir. Probably wouldn't have this many people. Uh, we, for whatever reason, did not observe Advent. I think that the Baptist Church as a whole probably does not do that. Uh, 
and I'm not sure why, but they don't. So I grew up without even hardly knowing what it was. So uh, as we move into the Advent season, I guess it's maybe a little bit more special for me than some of y'all. That I mean, maybe special for everybody, but if you've been associated with it all your life, it's a little bit different than people that have come about it later on in life. So what I wanted to do just briefly to, to start and kind of set the background is to talk just a little bit about Advent. Uh, probably things that you already know, but just uh, just to kind of reinforce some of the things about Advent. Uh, it evolved during the Middle Ages. Uh, don't know that there's anything real specific about who started it, how it started. The lighting of the Advent wreath is the um, one thing that is pretty uh, common among all the denominations, and it is generally attributed to Germany the ones that started with the lighting of the wreath. Um, of course, the the Protestants in general have less ritual. The Catholics do do Advent with a lot more ritualistic, if that's a, if that's a word. And uh, as I researched it, most of what I found was the Catholic faith, which is not something that I was going to go into a lot here. So the thing that we do, as everyone knows, is the lighting of the candles. Today is the first Sunday. Today is Hope Sunday, Hope Candle. Generally refers to the patriarchs in the Old Testament, uh, which would be Jesus' ancestors, more or less. Uh, and so we're going to talk some about that as we go through the lesson today. Next Sunday, and I'm not sure how we're breaking this down with speakers, I know Ron Peterson is using the same book I am, so he's talking sometimes. But you don't use the book anyway. Anyway. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I went ahead and, and have used his today, so he won't have anything to say. But uh, the, the, sec, the second Sunday is the lighting of the peace candle, and that is also called the Bethlehem candle, and so that is pretty much the prophecies, the birth of Christ is what it will be emphasized in general. Next Sunday, the third Sunday, is the shepherd's or joy candle. Joy is what I think we call it. And it is uh, primarily the Sunday for rejoicing. Uh, the fourth Sunday is the angel or love candle. And, uh, of course, these will be lit in the sanctuary. And Christmas Day uh, is the Christ candle, which is the, the one in the center, the fifth one. So... Um, that's kind of a, just a little bit of background. I, I did not want to go into a lot of detail. I know that y'all will be hearing this for the next month. Uh, as we were looking, as I was looking for material to present here, and I guess one of the things to see gets to hear me complain about is that generally the lessons don't give you a lot of meat. And so I was telling her, you know, I'm just trying to find some things to talk about. And so she uh, found in the paper a article about nativity scene. So I'm just going to tell you, just briefly talk about that for one second. Just, just This is kind of Bible trivia, I mean uh, Christmas trivia, in case this comes up on Jeopardy, you will have an answer to that. <laughs> um, the oldest nativity scene was, is, to, is thought to have been founded, uh, was put together in 1223, you can believe that. St. Francis of Assisi is believed to have staged a real enactment of the nativity, the first one. And there's one now that is in the um, Chicago uh, Museum that has 241 uh, 
individual pieces, it's thought to be the oldest one that anybody knows about. That's from back from the Middle Ages. So just kind of as a little brief note, that's not going to be on the test. So you don't have to worry about that. So we're going to move into the move into the lesson. And again, this is um, as you saw in the note, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. I'm flattered that so many people showed up because you, I know you're looking out there thinking, what in the world is this guy going to tell us about Zachariah and Elizabeth that we don't already know? Some of you may remember this, you may not remember it. In uh, 2008, this exact same Sunday, I stood up here exactly in front of you, some of y'all, I guess, and talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth. Pretty much the same thing. I read the information that we got this time, the information that I had that time. I looked back at my notes, very simple. <laughs> so you say, you know, what, what are you going? What are you going to tell Ron and I talked about this? What are we going to tell you that you don't already know that you that Zachariah and Elizabeth? Or that you care about. <laughs> well, no, okay, we're, we're going to address that. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you stand up when you speak, please? He was. <laughs> he might not have heard that. <laughs> okay, before I lose control, here. As, as everybody knows, these the stories that we're going to talk about in general are only in Luke. Luke is the doctor, very detail-oriented, and he's the one that has told us 90% of the stories that we're going to talk about during uh, Advent. We already know, you know, if I, ta- if I said, what are the things that you know about Zachariah and Elizabeth, you're going to say, well, I know the, the big three about them, right? What do you know? You know that they are very religious. Right? Very religious people. You know that they are childless. Third thing, you know, is that they're old. And they're probably not going to have any children at the beginning of this story. So that's that's what we know about them. Uh, one thing that is very important to know is that in this particular culture, being childless is, is a, a very, very bad thing. It's looked on as a curse from God, number one. But it's also in a culture that does not have Social Security, Medicare, anything for the the older folks. You have to depend on your children to take care of. So they don't have any children. So this is, this is the situation that they are in uh, when we start the story. So a little bit of background on Zachariah. Uh, he is from the tribe of Levi. It says that Elizabeth is also from the tribe of Levi. As I thought about this, of course, we know that this is going to be John the Baptist's parents. He is going to also be from the tribe of Levi. And we know that Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. So they're cousins, but they're not in the same tribe. So interesting for me to note anyway that there was intermarriage among the tribes. Cousins would not even be from the same tribe. Um of course, he's, uh, I could say he's from the tribe of Levi. At this particular time, it's estimated there were about 20,000 priests in this area. Uh, quite a large number. They're divided into 24 different groups, and they uh, are on duty, so to speak, for one week. And so it's about a, one division of them. This, this particular one is Abijah. Uh, is the one that he is a member of. So there's 800 to 1,000 priests that show up to burn incense at the temple. And of course, this is the um, 
going I can't do a lesson without talking about Jim McCormick. He taught us that when the guy goes in to burn this incense, the priest goes in, nobody else is allowed in there. So if something were to happen to him, they can't get in there to get to him, so they tie a rope around his ankle. And so when he, if, if he were to have a, a problem in there, that's how they get to him. They have to pull him, drag him out of there. So uh, this is what this is what uh, Zechariah is doing on this particular day. We do also want to note that as Christ came, and this is fast forwarding a little bit, he was very critical of the scribes and Pharisees. But the Bible is very specific to note that Zechariah and Elizabeth follow the laws, are good, strong Jewish people, but they do it from their heart instead of being feeling like they're being forced to do that. Okay, um, and a little bit more background. When we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, all we do is flip a page and we get from Malachi to Matthew. But in reality, there's 400 years of, of dead, more or less dead time, no prophets, no contact from God that has happened to the uh, Jewish people. So to, to kind of bring that to light in the in the in modern time, if we went back 400 years, <coughs> things that would have been happening is the Globe Theater that everybody knows about from uh, Shakespeare times burned in that particular year, and in the United States, the first load of tobacco was loaded up to send to England for payment for their uh, rent. So just to give you some indication of how long it's been since God has had anything to do with these uh, Jewish people, that's kind of give you some perspective. So we've had no prophets uh, at all that are mentioned. The people have become very cold, very complacent because they are just... Just kind of rocking along, trying to trying to obey the law, trying to do what they know to do, but they've had no real contact with God. So uh, Zechariah is in the is in the temple burning the incense, and he turns around, and there's Gabriel standing there. And of course, he is extremely uh, shocked because that's the last thing he's expecting. The um, and what what do the angels always say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because this was would be quite a shock to anybody. He says your prayer has been answered, and I found it very ironic that he says your prayer is answered, but Zachariah does not believe that the prayer is answered, and he and he kind of uh, shows that disbelief, and so he is struck speechless because of, of his disbelief. So, of course, we know the rest of the story. Uh, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and uh, John the Baptist is the is the child. And he, of course, is the last prophet that is born before Christ comes. It's, it's all part of the Advent story. And then um, Zechariah regains his speech and praises God and names his son John. Was he was told by Gabriel that the son would be named John. This was not a name that they were expecting anybody to use. Um, and then, as, as in the case of a lot of uh, stories in the Bible, Elizabeth and Zechariah just fade into the history. We, we never hear, hear about them again. So in the... Um, and, and, and a lot of that's the background of what we're going to talk about. Uh, and I want to read some scripture. Now, we usually hear the scripture from Isaiah at this particular time, and it's usually foretelling the birth of Christ. 
this particular scripture that they talk about in this lesson is not is not that. It's a little bit different. So while I'm going to read this, I'm going to be interested to know why you think that this was uh, the scripture that was chosen for this particular lesson. This and this is Isaiah 64:1-3. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, mountains would quake before you like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence. So why do you think that we've had we got that scripture today instead of what we would expect to have be hearing? Today? Any thoughts on that? So you wouldn't have to read the same scripture you did back six years ago. I didn't expect that answer. I think Isaiah is, is frustrated. He, he feels very serious about his, his God. And he is frustrated because his message to the people is not being understood the way he feels like it should be understood. And he's really pleading with God, send someone down to, if only he would come down and show the world what I've been trying to tell them about. Um, and then people would understand and the world would come to worship you, the true God. But when you come, make some noise. And, and make a big deal. Yeah, yeah, a big deal out of it. Right. Which is what we always hope. And, and what Tom says is exactly right. But in general, if not 100% of the time, that doesn't happen. When he comes, it's, it's as Christ comes in the um, stable without any big fanfare. And we have to be on guard to, to know what's happening, to watch out for that. Excellent, 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 excellent. excellent. But I was, I was uh, kind of taken that that was the scripture that was used uh, today. And, and I'm, I'm glad they picked something different because we do hear so much of the foretelling of Christ coming that this to me is just a, a very significant difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Sure, sure. I think that's... Right, right. I think things that have, have are the points that are being tried to be made. Number one is that God has to come to us. And, and we've, we've heard this. This is a big part of our belief that no matter what we do, we cannot find God. He has got to pursue us. And so this is what happened with Zechariah. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's He is... Uh, in the middle of his religious functions, but until God decided to come to him, he could not find God. God has done something for Elizabeth and Zechariah that they could not do for themselves. Uh, in general, the, the stories that we talk about, the older people having children, the things that, that, that are just not capable for normal people, we know that uh, God has to have a hand in the things that are done. How he picks uh, normal people to, to do these things instead of, as Tom was saying, making the big, um, tremendous uh, noise when he, when he comes. Uh, the importance of faith steeped in the traditions of scripture, worship, and prayer 
are also a very important point as we go into Advent. The point is made about how important it is to stay associated with Scripture, <clears throat> something that, that I don't do enough of, but that as you um, spend time with the Scripture, uh, affects your, um, your your thought patterns and your um, just your attitude. Worship, of course, we're all here, and the prayer uh, is associated with the silence. We're going to talk about that in a minute, that uh, Zechariah was, uh, when he was struck, speechless. Uh, and as I say, Zachariah's speechless could be a reminder to us of the importance of silence as one of the ways we prepare for God to enter into our experience. Uh, for those of us, me particularly, that are very impatient, it is hard to be still, be quiet, to be waiting on God, to be expecting the unexpected, which is what uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were doing, expecting the unexpected. So the, in the introduction, uh, there is a reference to a stargazer. Um, individual was a minister, and uh, when he retired, he, for whatever reason, decided that he was very interested in supernovas. And that is a, a giant star that explodes with the uh, power of, this says, of 100 billion suns. Uh, very hard to relate to that. But by the time the light reaches us, it is it's just a twinkle. So this gentleman uh, decided that that's what he was going to pursue, is the sighting of the supernovas. Uh, just just the twinkle uh, very briefly that it otherwise would not be seen in the sky. So he, this particular individual started in the 1950s looking for this. And the first one that he saw was in 1981. So the, he did this, this is just unbelievable to me, for 30 years, between 20 and 30 years of studying the sky, looking for uh, the supernova, the, the, the very brief twinkling. And so the, the point is made, how do we see things that other people do not see? The twinkle is there, but we don't see it. So again, we to do this, we have to expect the unexpected, and the uh, scripture, worship, and prayer are the types of things that we should be concentrating on to um, to be able to see this supernova. Okay, um, so to, to 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 kind of bring this to some kind of a of an understanding with all the hustle and bustle that we are we are facing. This is the what's Almost on everybody's mind. How do we get away from this to do the things that we know we need to do during Advent? We've got to we've got to remember that Advent is not only to commemorate the first coming, but to also prepare for the second coming. And the and the key. Uh, well, and, and we talked about the scripture and worship, and in this particular instance, I included silence as opposed to the prayer, both the same thing, but the silence is very important to, to be still, to be attentive to God's uh, trying to expect the unexpected, to be attentive to God, and to look for that supernova. Uh, and the key today, I, as I've thought a lot about, what, what would I tell you that you don't already know, um, the key to me is that it's not anything new that, that we could tell you. Uh, 
it is reminding you of the things that you already know that are important. What what things you need to do, what things you need to concentrate on to make Advent be what it should be. Uh, what I would like to read is um, after after Zechariah was allowed to speak, he um, has a song of praise. Doesn't get very much publicity because of everything else that's going on at this time. But this is his, this is Zechariah's um, song of praise after he was allowed to speak. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he, as he, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to, to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of the enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on us, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the last sentence, I thought this was kind of ironic, is, and this is, I guess, probably going to be the last time we hear anything about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly in Israel. So the prayer, uh, the ironic part to me is the prayer was for a son to take care of them in their old age. That's They got a son, but he didn't appear to do, living in the desert, didn't appear to be doing much to preserve them in their old age. But God works in mysterious ways, as, as we know. Um, I'm going to let that out it looks like. The, um, and I was going to close with a prayer, and it's going to be uh, the uh, old little town of Bethlehem. And my gift to you this Christmas is that I am going to read it to you and not sing it to you. <laughs> so if you bow your heads, please. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in the world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy Christ of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Thanks a lot. Yeah, best is yet to come.
Uh, I mentioned earlier that we had our new members in our class, uh, Henry and Pat, and I wondered, would you all like to just tell us a little bit about yourselves and introduce yourself? And I know it's right on the spot, but you know, you're welcome to. <laughs> happened to it, and then uh, we went to Cleveland, Georgia, and opened a restaurant, and uh, for four years, came back to Atlanta then after that, and uh, lived in Decula. Our children were in, in the area with us. Uh, in fact, they worked the restaurant with us, but then uh, after about 10 years in Decula, we went to the villages, if you've heard of the villages, and uh, loved it for seven years, uh, and our son and his wife are having their third child. It's December, so they'll have three of them under five years old. And that's why we're back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's the pattern. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all I was saying. Um, do what? Yeah, um, I'm Pat Rorick, and uh, I grew up in Coral Gables, as did Henry, where it's actually warm. Uh, I, I must say, it was the, the only tough part about moving back to Atlanta is the temperature. <laughs> just been back, we came back the 27th of October, and since then it's been cold. But um, we are thrilled to be here, and uh, we have been to choir practice one time and uh, hope to go back and join the choir. It's a wonderful, wonderful choir. You have an awesome church, and uh, we look forward to being a part of it. So thank you. Well, we're going to go visit another church. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go visit another church today. <laughs> well, you won't find one that will beat this one. So. All right, let me uh, close you for you all with a thought for the day. If you want to make your dreams come true, the first thing you're going to have to do is wake up. Thank you. <laughs>